0: Underdog Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Podorski and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 200 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Podorski. 200 is a very big number, Um, so I want to give the quick obligatory thank yous to everyone who's helped us along the way. Christy, Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for giving us a platform. Uh, Sam Beck, our former producer. Thank you for teaching me how to operate GarageBand. Uh, and Alex Spector, who founded the podcast with you, with me. We love you. Uh, thanks for sticking with me, sticking through it with me at the beginning. And Alex, you will be pri- proud to know, and the Sportsbook.com odds of this being able to occur were very, very slim. But if you were listening to us from the get-go, you would know that one of our original bits, think Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon saying, you know, if we had more time, we talked to Matt Damon, was we would always talk about Richard Blyer. So for the fact, the fact that on the 200th episode of the podcast, Richard Blyer got traded, and I get to organically talk about him during this week's episode, that put a smile on my face.
1: And organic, coincidentally, The Departed is on the background in our TV, so you get to do Matt Damon.
0: I swear to God, that part was unintentional.
1: That part was unintentional? That part
0: legitimately was unintentional. I was just thinking of a long running bit. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal a lot. Cousin Sal, Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon. Jimmy Kimmel. Pretty easy straight line there. A lot to talk about this week, but we are going to start with a little bit of rankings. Uh, it's something me and Bryce like to bicker about, and it's something I I at least haven't looked at these rankings out of you. I have not. Okay, I've had the link in our notes for like two weeks. I figured 200th episode, we might not have much to talk about. This will take a while. Uh, and then a lot of stuff happened in baseball this week. Typical. Uh, good problem to have, though. So, MLB Network, every year, uh, the Top 10 and the Shredder, uh, they do their Top 10 rankings by position. Uh, they have not done starting pitchers or catchers yet, so we'll do starting pitchers next week, because... That's probably the one that requires the most amount of thought. And catchers, maybe to some degree, also just to think of like six to 10 requires some thought.
1: I think a lot of, if you go through it, a lot of the positions
0: have a drop off. So let's start. We're just going to go in positional order that they're listed on MLB.com. Um, let's go with shortstop first. Should I go one to 10 or 10 to one? One to 10. Trey Turner, number one. Last year he was two. Uh, Correa, two. Xander Bogarts, three. Corey Seager, four. Francisco Lindor, five. Dainsby Swanson, six. Bo seven. William Adamas, eight. Tim Anderson, nine. Wander Franco, ten.
1: I don't have a ton of problems here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. The shortstop list. I think the biggest thing, for my, in my opinion, for these lists is that they get number one right. And they got number one right in Trey. Now my question is that I'm wondering who was number one last year that is no longer a I finalist. Was thinking, is it B- Patsy's Oh, good call. I was gonna say him or Javi Baez, but it doesn't make sense for Javi Baez. Uh, when we go position by position, let's we'll say if we have any qualms, and then we will say who we think has the best odds of being number one next year at this time. I, I mean, looking at this list, the only thing I could be sw- swapped, I think Bogarts is gonna drop down. I think Bogarts will drop down. I think Seeger will move up. I don't. I, I think Bo going to move back up. Uh Beau Bichette, you know, he didn't have this. Honestly, Bo Bichette had, a, as much as we've joked about Marcus Simeon's second half, Bo was just as good. I think he puts it together for a full year next year, and he moves back up to three. Uh, look, Correa... It, back up to three? Back up, just up to three. Uh, he was seven last year, he was seven this year. Good to see Willie Adamas getting some love. Uh, I mean, he's a guy, thirty homer, bad a shortstop, good left-handed swing for Milwaukee. Wander Franco is a guy. If he mo- stays healthy, he'll uh, be up. He'll move up. Uh, Tim Anderson, I feel the same way. Shortstop's very deep. Tim, That's Ander- my big takeaway. Tim Anderson, this. we have uh, one of the tweets of the week. I'll just say it now. There's one player in baseball for the past four
1: years who hit 300 every year. Tim Anderson. No, shortstop. I, I mean, my guess without looking at this list, third base will be the deepest position, but the left side of the infield across the league. Yeah. Where do you want to be? I still think Trey Turner's number but, one next year, though. I think Turner
0: stays are putting him long. in a great spot, too. I think Correa moves down a bit.
1: I'm surprised, I'm surprised, but not angry with him at two. Really, any of the guys, two through five, you can guys pick them out of the hat, and I'd be okay with it. All right, second baseman.
0: Uh, new number one this year. Uh, the previous number one, Ketel Marte, fell to eight. Jose Altuve, all the way up to number one. Last year, he was four. They have McNeil, two. Andre Jimenez, three. So two guys who came up with the Met system, two and three. Simeon, four. Love Marcus Simeon. Brandon Lau, five. Jorge Polanco, six. Brendan Donovan, seven. Cattell Marte, eight. Colton Wong, nine. And Glaber Torres, ten. I think Altuve, uh, number one. You, you can't dispute that at this point. I think last year, went back over the 30-homer mark. 100-run total again. You know, McNeil, too, I have no problem with. He's a reigning and albantic champ. he got a big extension. Some of this, though, I think this is where you get into the idea of, I know it's top ten players right now at each position, but how is Ozzie Alves not even in the top ten? That's a glaring omission. Like, this is where I think you go into recency, where it's like Brendan Donovan is seven. Andre Jimenez was a great all-star last year, but he was a quadruple-A player coming into last year. You had those guys on in admitted a multi-time all-star. And Marcus Simeon had a really good second half. Screw it. I think he should be
1: higher. I, I, <laughs> when I do player rankings, I tend to hold on to guys a little bit longer and I'm usually pretty late to accept greatness. So I would have Simeon a two. I just like, I lo- there's a lot of guys here I like, but like Cattell
0: Marte did nothing last year. Colton Wong had one of the like worst years of his career, and that was part of the narrative for him getting traded to Seattle. I, I just the no Albies on this list is crazy to me. That's a bad look. All right, third base. Third base is interesting because I think if you were to make a list of the top twenty-five hitters in baseball right now, Bavada over under of third baseman on that list five and a half under. Okay.
1: Oh, but, top twenty-five. Top twenty. Just
0: hitters, not players. Hitters. You don't think you would have one at least one through five on that list? Well, that's why I took the under. And then like maybe make the case for one more? I don't know who I would, but that's why I took the under. That's fair. That's always a good over under then. <laughs> yeah. Machado one, last year he was seven. Jose Ramirez two. Austin Riley three. Devers four. Aronado, five. Bregman six. Justin Turner seven. Muncie eight. Yandi Diaz nine.
1: DJ LeMay ten. Huge issue. I saw this one on Twitter. It was Nolan Arenado at five is offensive. It, yeah, I think it's got to be Manny,
0: Jose, Nolan, one, two, three, however you decide. If, however you wanted to rank those three, I would just say that's fine.
1: They're in a tier to themselves, and then I would I have – I think I think Devers, Devers ahead of Riley at this point.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at the past – I think long-term, I agree. I think Riley the past two years has outproduced Devers. I think Bregman's six makes sense. Yes. You know, I think he's above, like, the veteran guys, but still not what he used to be in, like, the superstar tier – Turner, or Muncy 7 and 8. I feel like third base is such a deep position that having them 7 and 8, honestly at this point I'd have Yandi Diaz above them and I, I can you classify DJ as a third baseman at all? I wouldn't. But I guess they did. Uh, I'm just real quick. I'm pulling up the standings from last year just to see if there's anyone that I feel like that was omitted. Like honestly Muncy or Turner, I know like his numbers were down. I would probably have Matt Chapman on this list over them defensively.
1: Just for a defense
0: yeah, um looking just AL West.
1: Who plays third base for the Mariners? Yeah, good question. <laughs> they did not talk about that in Seattle.
0: Nah. Um I I mean I guess the rest of the list I'm okay with just scrolling through the teams, but yeah, I feel like Riley over I, I just I mean Arnato finished top three in the MVP vote over Austin Riley. Arnato did.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I no, they're it. not. This is bad. This was just a really, really bad. This one was bad, but a very good position.
0: First baseman. Um, it's, to me, this was wrong. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, number one, the reigning NL MVP. Fred- you got an issue with that? Yeah. I, Freddie, two. Vlad, three. Jose Abreu, four. Pete, five. Olsen, six. Ty Fran, seven. Nate Lowe, eight. Luis Arayas, nine. Hoskins, 10. This is a position I actually have no problem with the 10 guys they picked. Um, I think Vlad 3 makes sense. I would go Pete over Abreu. You know, I I think Jose Abreu at this point isn't the 100 RBI guy that he used to be. He did hit 300 last year. Pete last year, mash though. Olsen, I think I'd have to put Olsen in front of Abreu too. Even in, I would put
1: Olsen ahead of Pete. I'd have Olsen 4.
0: So those are my guys, 4-5. Love Ty France getting love. Like the Ty France to Arias tier, Ty France, Nate Lowe, um, and then Arias all makes sense to I'd me. I put Arias
1: up a little because he won the batting title. And Nate, Ty Fran... Oh, that's first base. Nate Lowe, though, had a
0: really unbelievable, sneaky year last year. I think he won the Silver Slugger position. Silver Slugger at first base last year. Would it not have been Vlad? I really... I, I think it was Lowe. Yeah, Lowe won the Silver Slugger. As a... As a first baseman. 27 home runs, 76 RBIs, 302, 358, 492. At least if i got the gold glove. And then Hoskins 10. Like, that makes sense. Reese can still go into one. Number one, I have a problem with, though. I know Goldschmidt is the reigning NL MVP. Uh, You're giving me one first baseman to start my team with, though. It's Freddie.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. You
0: were banging the drum for Freddie to win the MVP. I agreed, especially towards the end. I, I just think Goldschmidt last year, it was one of those award cases where, yeah, he won the MVP. But it was almost like he did everything he needed to do before August 1st, and we in our minds, because we wanted to get Paul Goldschmidt love, we're okay with him locking up the MVP by August 1st. I, I do think it should have been Freddie.
1: Freddie had my vote.
0: Yeah, so I would go Freddie, Freddie Goldschmidt-Vlad. Freddie Goldschmidt-Vlad, Pete Olson would be my top five.
1: That's good.
0: All right, top ten center fielders. Uh, Trout one, Buxton two, Julio three, Nemo four, Michael Harris five, Brian Reynolds, six, CJ Cedric Mullen, seven, Luis Robert, eight, Mike Dostremsky, nine, Chaz McCormick, ten. I, I don't know offhand a ton of team center fielders, but there's no way Mike Gostremsky could be, still be in this top ten. He was
1: so bad last year. I'll focus on the top. I don't think you're gonna have Buxton at two.
0: That's so yeah, Trout won. I mean, look, the no playoff thing aside, it, it's still Trout. He's won. I think you gotta go Julio over Buxton. Yeah. The bet what do we say? The best ability is Availability. And Julio missed some time. But way less time than Buxton.
1: Everyone misses less time
0: And And then from there, I would probably go, and again, I'd probably go Reynolds and Mullins over Michael Harris just because Michael Harris was a rookie. Nemo at four I have no problem with. Um, To me, the big climber on this list next year is Luis Robert. It goes back to what we just said about ability and availability. He's got all the ability. He's just got to stay healthy. This guy's a physical beast.
1: Yeah. All right, right field. Um, another really good
0: position. Pound for pound, this might be the best one, based on where they have somebody projected to play. Judge one, Mookie two, Harper three, Kyle Tucker four, Cunha five, Springer six, Starling Marte seven, Tiasco Hernandez eight, Tatis nine, Hunter Renfro ten. Uh, that one to ten, based on the list we've seen so far, that's the position group I'm going to battle with first.
1: It's a lot of excellent fielders, on top of oh, well, of
0: on the- top of. Who on, who on this list can't hit?
1: No, everyone can hit.
0: That's it's, everyone's known it's two-way players. A lot of two-way yeah. players. Um, Judge 1, I think, is the right call.
1: He had 62 homers.
0: Judge 1 is the right call. Yeah. Um, Mookie or Harper,
1: 2-3. Give it to, Give it to Mookie because
0: of his defense.
1: And Harper's missing the first half of the season.
0: Tucker and Acuna, 4-5. I mean, look, Ronald could be one on this list next year, but Ronald's coming off the be- torn ACL, uh, Tucker was great last year. Ronald could be number 1 in all of baseball. Yep. And then you know uh, so I think they got 1 through 5 right there. And then of Springer Springer Marte Teoscar, I'd probably go Springer tiosker Marte. I love Tiaoskar. Um Tatis 9 I guess got to put him somewhere and run for 10 30 homer bat good and right but, but He's another guy that could be number 1 in all of baseball. So, I'll ask you this. Top 25 hitters next year. Higher Bavada odds to have more, te- more guys in the top 25. I uh, will classify Tatis. Come at the end of the season, right field or third base? Right field. I see at least. I mean, honestly, six. Yeah. At least. And then if, you know, Marte or Springer
1: stay healthy or Teoscar. Yep. I think the floor is five, though. I mean, with we'll Judge, Mookie, Harper, Acuna… Tucker. Tucker. I think I'd have Tucker lower. I'd have Tucker 5. That's fine.
0: I think that's, again, this is where these lists balance right now. And uh, Left field. Jordan Alvarez, number 1. Soto, 2. Schwarber, 3. Taylor Ward, 4. Rosarina, 5. Stephen Kwan, 6. Tyler O'Neill 7. Michael Brantley, 8. Ian Happ, 9. And Eloy Jimenez, 10. Weak position.
1: Schwarber's really good now.
0: Yeah, I think you got to move Ian Happ up to at least Seven on this list. Uh, Branley didn't play at all last year. Tyler O'Neill was hurt. Wasn't great when he did play. I think he got a flip of Rosarina and Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward was a really fun first half story, but a Rosarina was not playoff Randy, but was still a 2020 guy last year.
1: Taylor Ward was really good during that one stretch on Bovado when we were actually winning our Angels bets. For the first time ever. And then it stopped.
0: Uh, next year in left field, who was more likely to be number one here, Jordan or Soto? Soto. Soto. That's great. I don't know. I think Jordan's or Soto's best chance to be number one here might be Jordan as a DH again.
1: Soto could also get... Soto, Soto, it'll be fine.
0: Top 10 relief pitchers, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Class, Devin Williams, Evan Phillips, Johan Duran, Ryan Presley, Andres Munez, Liam Hendricks, Jason Adam, Ryan Helsley. I think you just gotta have Hater on
1: here somewhere. <laughs> Hater finished, started, and finished the season. Incredibly strong. Yeah, have him in the back end,
0: sure. I think the interesting part of this list is showing how much baseball is evolving. Um, not all these, A good chunk of these guys aren't closers.
1: And there's no team with two players. Yeah. Could have been the Brewers. Well, that wouldn't have been the Brewers regardless. Yeah,
0: well, Liam Hendricks, I think, on, through no fault of his own, will get bumped through this list next year, so there will be change. But I, uh, I mean, I expect Hader to be number one. Yeah. We're drinking the haterade over here. Um, All right. You know what? Let's humor ourselves. Top 10 starting pitchers. Do we want to go in order?
1: I mean, I think we just rapid fire some names until we get to 10. Well, Sandy and Verlander.
0: Sandy, Verlander, Scherzer.
1: Yep. DeGrom. DeGrom. I mean, I'm going to have to. Cease. C's yes. Kershaw, no. Burns. But I think Urias.
0: Burns, Urias. Zach Allen. I'm gonna put him on like my ten through twelve, and I love Zach Allen. Uh Fromber? Yeah, oh yeah.
1: Nola? Wheeler?
0: I'd probably say Wheeler before Nola. Any of the Blue Jays guys tickle
1: your fancy? No. All right, uh, Alec Manoa is in like the twelve to fifteen. Freed, twelve to fifteen. Freed, Otani. Ota- yeah, Otani. All right, I'm content with that
0: ten names. I mean, Bieber. I'm just, yeah, I'm just. I I think Bieber Gallon. That's like a twelve to fifteen tier. McClanahan and Glass now. I think it's much easier to do like a top twenty. We'll stay there for next week. Yeah. All right. I'm content with that list so far. Um, let's talk baseball news. Jeff McNeil, four-year, fifty million dollar contract extension with the Mets. Rating batting champ has a fifth-year club option that can max the deal out at sixty-three point seven five million over five years. Mets gain control over what would have been his first three free agent seasons. Uh, they were unable to come to terms originally on salary arbitration. He filed for seven point seven five. The Mets went for six point two five. Um, they now can throw out his final two arbitration years and those three years for agency. Um, McNeil looks young, plays like he's young, but a sneaky old. He's 31, so he would not have hit free agency until 33. Locked in through his at least age 34 season, and last year he was great. 326, 382, 5, uh, 454 slash line, nine home runs, 39 doubles, triple four steals, second career all-star nod, won his uh, silver slugger in the NL's first award. Uh, really tough guy to strike out, only struck out at 10.4% of his plate appearances. Last year, he probably benefited from a career-high three fifty three average on balls in play. But again, his career mark is three twenty four. Defensively, very solid at second. Can he play all over the infield? Can play some corner outfield as well. Um, luxury tax implications. The Mets are still going to be paying up the wazoo with or without McNeil. Um, but all told, I, I think this is, you know, I had a lot of Met fan friends who texted me on this deal saying, how did we get McNeil for so cheap? And I think Jeff McNeil. I mean, again, this is a guy who came up when he was 26 years old. He almost seems like a guy. I don't want to use the phrase like he's lucky. He's happy to be there, but I think he realizes his career trajectory. It's really hard to hit free agency at 33, um, especially as a contact hitter. So I think for him to lock in 50 million dollars, which is life-changing money, and then you know for the Mets to lock up their second baseman, got coming off the bat in title. Uh, all in all, I
1: really like the move for both teams. For the Mets, too, he's big because he's a left-handed bat. Yeah, it's like you met, you made this point with Nemo. When he signed an extension, he's going to be a lifelong Met. Which, if you're at that point, why go test the water somewhere else when you can have a fan base and always have a home at Citi Field? I almost think, you just mentioned
0: Nemo, that this deal makes me think the Nemo contract is even crazier. You're giving the reigning NL batting champ, who's always on the field, $12.5 and a year, and you're giving Nemo twenty. Yeah, that contract's bad. It's just such a bizarre contract. I'm gonna ask you this though. So Nemo, so Pete, of the young guys, they signed no extensions. Pete or McNeil got fifty. Nemo got what was it 160? one sixty? Yeah, I think it was like eight for one, 16 change. DeGrom they let go. Which did you see the DeGrom thing with Buck this week? No. Buck said in an interview that DeGrom called him, and he said, look, I really thought I was going to be a Met. One day you and I will sit down, and I'll tell you what happened. So, interesting wrinkle there. Um, but all that said, now that they've locked up these two guys, um, I want you to give me two Bavada over-unders. Ready? A, how soon until you think a Pete extension takes place, and then B, what's the over-under on the dollar sign?
1: I think you're looking at next offseason. I think it's a $200 million player. How many years? 9 or 10. I don't know if you go 9. You think you
0: think Pete goes 10 for 200? That's a terrible deal from Pete's perspective. I think for Pete, you go like 7 for 200. I don't really like Pete the player. I could see his game aging very poorly as well. Yeah. Which, you know, could be problematic for the Mets. A lot of power. Men defensively. I think in the National League, having Universal DH will be big for Pete's aging curve.
1: Yeah, I just don't know if he's got the contacts. Here. Like, And if you're all power and you're getting paid that much, I wouldn't do it, but I, I don't think the Mets can let him walk. Especially once you let the ground walk. And especially now that you've already signed these other
0: relative... Like, you saw, Yeah, you, you signed the support players. You need to sign the superstar. I yeah. mean, Nemo and McNeil have their own value. Again, McNeil's the batting jam. I'll take anything away from that, but Pete's the guy who puts asses in seats.
1: He's the fan favorite.
0: McNeil's the guy who gets on base so Pete can send them home. Yeah. Houston Astros, it's amazing. This whole offseason, the reigning World Series champs have not had a general manager. And that changed on Thursday when they hired Vice President of Scouting Dana Brown as their GM, uh, who replaced James Click, who held the position from 2020 to 2022. Good run. Uh, And Brown was the Braves' VP of Scouting the past four seasons. Uh, so in that draft, Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grisham, uh, Shane Langerleers, was a top prospect who they used to get Matt Olsen. Uh, and prior to that, he was a special assistant in the Blue Jays front office for nine years, overlapping with Alex Anthopoulos for a good chunk there. Spent the nine seasons, preceding seasons, as director of scouting for the Expos and Nationals. It was an area supervisor and cross-checker for the Pirates for eight years in the 80s. So guys been in a lot of different markets, Lifetime, lifetime baseball guy. Um, The Astros, you know, again, they had no GM, so they haven't had a crazy offseason, but Jim Crane was the guy who led the way uh, for the three-year deal for Rafael Montero and Jose Abreu's three-year deal as well. Jeff Bagwell has has reportedly influenced the team's baseball decisions as well. Interesting note here, his college teammate Brown, Craig Biggio. Have to think Biggio, put in a good word for him there. And I think the interesting part of Brown's hiring is you know, whether it was Loon Howe, James Click. James Click came from the Rays. Loon Howe obviously, was so data-driven that that's, I think, a big part of what led to the sign-stealing scandal. This is not a guy who comes from a data background. This is a guy who, I would say, has more of the people skills that involve being a general manager of scouting and player development. And baseball st- guy. Baseball guy. And stuff that doesn't come off a spreadsheet. Um, with Dusty and Dana Brown, they are now the second... Black GM manager doing baseball history, joining Jerry Manuel um, and Ken Williams for the White Sox in 2000, 2003. And overall, I think this is a great hire. And granted, a lot of these GM hires don't know a lot about that the guy. But you look at this Braves team that he's been the scouting director for the past four years or, sorry, the VP of scouting, the player development and scouting. This whole Braves team was homegrown talent. So I, I have to imagine he's a great eye for talent. So is Houston. I think they'll continue to draft and sign international talent well under Dana Brown. I think the fact that they hired a black GM is an added bonus, and it's great for the game of baseball as they try to increase their diversity efforts. Um, but overall, you, you, you know, look, a, a gr- it's similar to what they did with James Click. They took a, They went and raided a team with incredible scouting and who has been very successful, and they brought him into their own Bring them into their own infrastructure.
1: Uh, any thoughts on this hire? I, everything Houston does works. So I just trust him until they give me reason not to. And yeah, Atlanta. That's the other. Ba- that's the other organization where I say the same thing. So I think makes sense to me.
0: Moving to the Bra- uh, his former employer, the Atlanta Braves, they announced Friday that they have signed manager Brian Snicker to an extension through the 2025 season. He'd been heading into the final guaranteed year of his contract, which contained an option in 2024. They now bought those all out. Snicker will be the manager for at least the next three years in Atlanta. Uh, he signed a handful of short-term extensions. taking over midway through the 2016 season. Uh, again, NL manager of the year in 2018 in his second full season. He saw an 18-win improvement from 2017 to 18. Past five years and counting, they have now won the NL East. Uh, they played at a 90-plus win pace in four of those seasons, including 2020, 88-73 uh, and 73 in 2021. That was a down year in the regular season, but they ended up winning the World Series in that year. Uh, Snicker can obviously manage. Uh, the club rewarded them after that World Series title by exercising the 2023 option early, earlier, but again, this year they won 101 games, uh, topping the triple-digit mark for the first time since 2003 with an unbelievable second half. Won the division for the fifth straight year. Uh, 542 and 451 in parts of seven seasons with him at the helm. 54.6% winning percentage. Well, the Dodgers, Astros, and Yanks have a longer active postseason streak than the uh, Braves. But no club has won its division in the last five years. I love Snicker. I think this allows him to go out on his own terms because he is an older manager. I think he's 67. It also aligns him with a lot of the contracts uh, for the young talent they've signed. I was trying to think of a comparison for Brian Snicker when all was said and done. You know, I thought to myself, is this a guy where if the next three years go on, and they win division championships, is a Hall of Famer? Probably not, um, unless he manages more than 10 years. I don't think it warranted enough to be in that discussion. So here's my comp, and you can tell me what you think. If he wins two more division titles in the next three years and um, just the one World Series, his tenure in Atlanta is Joe Girardi's in New York. Ten years, missed the playoffs a couple times with the majority time you were in there, won a World Series. Got to a bunch of LCSs. I just think Snicker's more beloved than Atlanta.
1: Yeah, because Girardi was filling the shoes of Torrey, which was not easy. Correct. Snicker was what, Freddie Gonzalez? Yeah, which was easy. Certainly easy. And Snicker, I mean, Girardi also started with the World Series ring, so the whole tenure gets soured. Uh, I would think Snicker... I mean, it's too early to tell because his Braves team can win the World Series every year as currently constructed so if he doesn't if he keeps making the playoffs and doesn't win a World Series I mean is, um, I almost said something that was wrong
0: you could say it it's okay it's well a- I was
1: thinking just people that won a one World Series oh in the Hall of Fame not in all of Fame just like recent guys that have won like is he Um, I think Mike Socha Yeah, social.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think the social hall of fame case is different than Snicker, just because a social managed a bit longer, and b social won two rings as a player, a couple gold gloves, etc. Um, but I think socials a pretty fair comparison. A more successful Ozzie Guillen. No, because he's not as in trouble. Ozzie Guillen kept getting. In John trouble. Farrell didn't get to the playoffs enough. Ned
1: Yostin and get to the playoffs, and I'm just thinking, like you said, of the one-off World Series winners. I think it's very likely that he ends up with – I think that I, – I have high hopes for this Atlanta team. Could he end up being Bruce Bochy? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I think if he
0: manages uh, – and there's no magic number for managers when you get into the Hall of Fame conversation, but say he manages past 2025 and it's 12, 13 years, and it's nine, 10 division titles and one World Series championship – then you have the conversation, yeah. Especially in modern baseball. Uh, speaking of Ned Yost and the Kansas City Royals, his former team, Zach Greinke back in Kansas City, one-year contract uh, between eight to ten million dollars. Greinke again was drafted by the Royals way back in two thousand two as the number six overall pick. Made his debut in 0-4, Seven seasons there. Cy Young went in two thousand nine for them. Pitched for the Brewers, Angels, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and Astros between twenty twenty one and twenty or twenty eleven and twenty twenty one. Made it back last year to Kansas City, uh, 137 innings, three six eight ERA, 26 starts, exactly what you would want out of an old starting pitcher. Uh, 4.8 Ks per nine was a career low and the worst in baseball, but his control was as good as ever. 1.8 walks per nine, um, and he only allowed 14 home runs in 585 total uh, at total blah, 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 blah. total batters faced. Um, so again, this is he'll be an innings eater. He'll be the vet there. At this point, he probably gets his number retired by the Royals. Um, yeah. pitches another year or two there. You know, he'll mentor Brady Singer, Brad Keller, Daniel Lynch,
1: all these young guys. Um, but last week, we talked about the Hall of Fame. I'm just, before we go more on Granky, I'm most excited on this. I want to see him and Chapman interact. Oh, my God. It should be a very interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah. So... Last year, Grengi struck out 73 guys. So he's at 2,882 strikeouts uh, right now for his career, which as is puts him in the top 20 all-time. He's 20th right now. Um, Look, is it possible he gets 118 strikeouts in the past two years? Sure. Is it probable? No. Um, 3,000 strikeouts, though, puts him, I think, in the slam dunk Hall of Famer territory. But Greinke's a guy. I mean, 223, 223 wins, 3.42 ERA. The strikeout total is, you know, what I just said. Top 20 all time. Won the Cy Young. Um, his career WAR for pitchers is top 32. He's top 75 all time with 76.5 wins with 223, 73rd all time, top 100 all time, and WHIP. Won't be a slam dunk Hall of Famer like Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer. I think he's in the tier with CeCe of guys who we said were Hall of Famers, but we'll see how long it takes them to get in. So I will ask you this. Bavada over, let's say Bavada over under uh, Zach Reggie appearances on the Hall of Fame bout before he gets in two and a half. Under. I think he's two. You think he's a guy? Do you feel the same way about CeCe? I just had a curiosity.
1: No. I I don't know why, though. You think CeCe gets in sooner or later? No, I do feel the same way about CeCe. I think they're second or third ballot guys. I just think there is everyone that recognizes them, identifies them as Hall of Famers, but there are those writers out there that will reserve their first ballot votes for the absolute slam ducks. I think that's a good analogy. Two ERA titles and six gold gloves, too, for Granke.
0: And just like the weirdest motherfucker ever. And he's still going. yeah. I, I, he's a guy, look, if, he, if Greinke wanted to, he's one of, if not the smartest pitchers in baseball right now. Greinke could probably pitch into his
1: mid-40s if he wanted to. With that control, sure, there's no reason not there's to. no reason and not, he's not to. And he, I don't want to insult Zach Greinke with my next comment. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that gives a shit if his career ERA ends up .25 higher than it should be because he stuck around. McGregor like might just stick around and pitch because he likes to pitch.
0: For whatever it's worth, last year he had uh, an ERA below 3-7. Uh, you know who would have taken that last year towards the end of the year? The Every New York fucking team. Yankees.
1: Every single team in the league.
0: Yeah. Rays made not one, not two, but three extensions this week. First one was with third baseman Yandy Diaz. Three-year, $24 million extension. Club option for 2026. Uh, they avoided arbitration there. His first three seasons with the Rays: DS at 266, 359, 418, 117 WRC+. Plus, last year though, 296, 401, 423, nine home runs, 146 WRC+. Plus, uh, was an elite stack cast guy. Um, last year, he crushed southpaws with an 892 OPS over 145 plate appearances. Defensively, very strong. Uh, they might look him to use more as a first baseman in 2023 over the course of the longer term deal. Um, but I'll just we'll do a little analysis for each one here. Uh, a third baseman with a 400 on base percentage who also hit 296. And again, I don't think the Rays give a shit about power. 8 million a year, that is great value for Yandi Diaz. Yeah, he's a guy I didn't really recognize how good he was until in fantasy cuz our league is an OBP league. Um, which speaking of which, we need to add you to the group message cuz you're officially in. Oh. I'm in. Yeah, well we have Breaking done, News. We haven't done the official vote yet, but uh me and John Cochin is two of the large power brokers in the league said, Yeah, Sam's out prices in. Alright. Um but he's in our league is an OBP league. So Yandy Diaz would be a guy who I would always wonder why is this guy so highly
1: ranked and it's got four hundred OBPs, four hundred OBP. Yeah, no, he's a guy that when he show, shows up at Yankee Stadium and they put his numbers on the big screen, they're like, Oh wow. He's a lot better than I thought. Well, who's this random guy on the Rays they found who's doing this
0: again? Pretty much. Two pitchers, got extensions. First is Jeffrey Springs, four-year, $31 million extension incentives uh, and a $15 million club option for 2027. If he hits all Cy Young Award escalators, it will, he will own $65.75 million over five years. Springs is a great story, and this is, its again, how many times have we heard this with the Rays? He's DFA'd in 2021. Uh, ends up with the Rays and has a three four three over three four three ERA over forty three appearances this year. He goes to the rotation and uh, as incredible as it is, two four six ERA and one hundred thirty five and a third innings pitch. forty point nine percent ground ball rate. There um, he reached arbitration for the first time going into twenty twenty two and made only nine hundred forty seven grand. So huge life changing money here for Springs, and it's again this is why the Rays are the best at what they do. They find guys, they rehabilitate them, and they turn him into a guy who, over 135 innings, had 2.46 ERA. He was a quality start machine. I'm honestly surprised they paid him, only because this seems like the kind of guy that the Rays would ride until they think the wheels are going to fall off. Uh, but I'm happy
1: for Springs. A great story. Maybe that says more, that Tampa went ahead and paid this guy. Because you're right, usually he's the guy that the Rays would make a trade that on the surface looks bad, but as soon as he leaves Tampa, he just career goes down the twos. But So, it's a good, again, I trust Tampa just like I do Atlanta and Houston. I guess I left them out of that example earlier. And a guy whose last name I like, Pete
0: Fairbanks. Three-year extension with a 2026 mil- cl- club option. Uh, he's guaranteed $12 million over the next three years. 29-year-old was acquired for the Rangers in a straight-up swap for Nick Solak in 2019. <laughs> and over the past three years, he's been one of the flamethrowers in the Rays bullpen 270 ERA, 33.8 strikeout rate. Uh, Last year averaged 92.9 mile per hour on his heater, 113 ERA, 43.7 strikeout rate. Didn't allow a run over his final 22 innings of the season. And these are the guys that the Rays get for guys who become mid-league prospects. I think the moral of the story is always take the shot on the guy who throws 99 miles per hour. Yeah. You can't teach a guy to throw hard with a few exceptions, but you can't teach a guy how to throw strikes. Um, and good for Fairbanks. This is now, I think what you just said is a very good point, actually. It, it's nice to see the Rays not just turning through these guys and actually locking up some of their core and, you know,
1: having some continuity. As a Yankee fan, it sucks, but. It sucks, but, they, again, the Yankees and Rays are fundamentally different. The, like, and they. Could Please be, tell me more. <laughs> could not be two more different approaches to team building. Uh, and yeah, Or stadium the, building. Tampa does – yeah, we should talk about that eventually. We'll get there as it gets more of a resolution. But finish your point. But no, Tampa finds guys and turns them – Tampa knows – Tampa's really good at what they do. Yep.
0: Blue Jays signing a former Yankee, and I'm bummed out about this, not so much because the player left, but that he left for the Blue Jays. Chad Green, two years, $8.5 million deal with options for 2025 and 2026 – Chad turned thir- turns 32 in May. He was a quality reliever for the past seven seasons for the Yanks, uh, but got Tommy John surgery after being out all of last May. So, again, this gives Green and the Blue Jays uh, a fair deal on both sides. He can rehab on their dime this year if needed, and they have him for 2024. Hopefully he comes back. Uh, over the past six seasons – 296 ERA over 260 appearances, 33.4% strikeout rate, only a 6.1% walk rate. Among relievers to throw over 300 innings in that stretch, he's fourth in strikeout rate. The only guy he trails are Hader, Edwin Diaz, and Liam Hendricks. Uh, so you're talking elite of the elite there. He was never a closer due to a role this and he has so he has 11 just saves, but he does have 52 holds. We saw the good and the bad in Chad. Um, when the changeup wasn't working, the ball left the park very quickly, but he was so reliable. From basically the entire the totality of Aaron Boone's stint as manager of the New York Yankees, and to me, anytime Chad Green wasn't effective, it was just because the Yankees ran him into the ground. This was a guy I always liked, um, and I wish him well in Toronto. Blue Jays fans, you got a good one, and a guy where when he's working the fastball changeup
1: combo is awesome. No, that's a great pickup for Toronto. I like again, it's a reliever on a short term deal, a proven a proven reliever with a ton of postseason experience. So I think this is a great move for them. It's just a solid, very nice pickup. Staying in the AL East, the Orioles
0: acquired left-hander Cole Irvin in a trade for the A's in exchange for Kyle Verbitsky and Daryl uh, Hernase. Um, Irvin turned 29 last week with the A's uh, after coming over from Philadelphia. 62 starts the past two seasons, 411 ERA over 359 in third innings. Um, the Oakland Coliseum is obviously not Camden Yards. Camden Yards, I would say... Offensively, I, I, it's not. I would just say statistically, is a much better offensive park um, than the Coliseum. So there's a little bit of risk there with getting Urban, but he's only walked 5.2 percent of batters he's faced over the past two years. Uh, the strikeout rate isn't high. He's a pitch to contact guy. Three four four ERA at home, four eight eight outside of uh, Oakland. But I just think overall, you know, again, I, I would say that they are still a couple years away. The Orioles. So if you could get a lefty, you can eat up innings while some of those young prospects, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, etc. Um, are ready to go. A solid
1: pickup for uh, the Baltimore Orioles. They're coming. They've done they they they're I don't know how they turned around as quickly as they did, but this Baltimore team, again, they're making a lot of nice moves around the peripheries. They're and I I mean this Rushman kid is I know that's not an Adley point, but Well, they have the number one prospect in baseball, Gunnar Henderson. That that record came out this
0: week. They have Adley. Uh, I mean, how the catcher rankings haven't come out yet. How high do you think Adley is right away? Two. Two? JT1, Adley 2? Yeah.
1: I'd probably go Wilson over him just for this year, but that's it. Yeah. Fuck. Catcher's week. That's more a reflection on catcher than a pro-Retchman point. Uh, I'd actually maybe for one more year go
0: Sean Murphy over him too. But regardless, the fact that you debuted in Maine. We're already in discussion for the number two of the position. Uh, so yeah, solid move for the Orioles. Uh, Matt Barnes. We talked about Matt Barnes last week. We talked about Matt Barnes' girlfriend last week. Uh, no need to recap that. Uh, he got traded for the one, the only, Richard Blyer. We love Richard Blyer. Uh, so the fact that he's a Red Sox, I'm a little bit bummed. Uh, but again, a really solid lefty, 309 ERA at 125 and in 30 innings since the beginning of 2020. Lefties have hit 225 against him over that times brand. Uh, J- JB, Alex, Richard Blyer lives to tell another day. It sucks we're going to have to watch him as a Red Sox. Um, but Matt Barnes and his relationships aside, good swing to take if you're the Mariners. This guy was an all-star closer not too long ago. Why not take the shot for an aging left-handed relief
1: pitcher? Yeah, no, no, no problem with it. Did you hear the Mariners Marlins mix up again? Probably those M teams really confuse me. Are they the only two? Uh short.
0: Sure. Mariners Marlins. There's nothing in Montreal. Um. Yeah. Well, he's a Marlin. Kim being traded for him. There you go. Uh, before we talk about a couple players retiring, um, I do want to mention something that won't impact us as Yankee fans because of the S yes Network and the Yankees TV deal, but something that very well will greatly impact the salaries of Major League Baseball teams going forward, uh, and that is the fact that Diamond Sports Group, the subsidiary of Sinclair Broadcasting, that's been running their sports uh, subscription networks, they picked them up from Disney, looks to be gearing up for an $8.6 million uh Billion-dollar debt restructuring in bankruptcy court. Uh, There's a lot of business and financial terms and policies to work through, but it looks like they are going to skip an interest payment that they owe, which should be enough to get them into bankruptcy court. Um, And should they go that route, all their contracts with the MLB, NHL, and NBA will disappear into the night, uh, which could put at risk crucial broadcasting rights revenue for the likes of Major League Baseball. No league has used their TV contracts as a crutch like MLB teams. The Cardinals are currently bagging $66 million a year from Bally as part of their 15-year, $1 billion deal they signed with Fox Sports in 2015. Um... The Rangers, who again have signed signed all these guys the past couple years, inked a 1.6 billion, 20-year contract in 2010. And all told, the Sinclair Diamond local TV deals include 17 teams in Major League Baseball. Uh, the buzz around is around that the league themselves wound up purchasing the distressed rights out of bankruptcy. Though it's not quite that simple, and involves a lot of processes uh, that make it very difficult to explain and even understand to casual people like us. Um, this might allow MLB to finally do away with the moronic blackout rules for MLB extra innings, uh, but owing to teams' local TV rights themselves. Um, but again, there's no way the Cardinals and some of these teams will collect that sort of TV money that they do every year. Um, which means Major League Baseball and teams in general might actually have to care a touch more about ticket sales, uh concessions, etc., all that good stuff. This for a lot of teams could be a financial disaster. Yeah. I, I don't know too much of these details of how it's going to play out, and I'm interested to see the next couple weeks how this whole situation plays out, but I would say baseball more so than a lot of sport because there's so many games. TV revenue is such a huge part of what allowed these teams to stay afloat. It's, and, yeah, I mean, this could be catastrophic.
1: So it's TV revenue is big in all sports. Baseball is a sport that relies the most on gate receipts. They uh, they actually because there's so many games actual attendance does matter to the bottom line of these owners and if they're gonna lose all this I mean this is 66 million dollars a lot of money it's huge so hopefully this doesn't cause them to make up for lost revenue in other ways that more greatly impact the fan experience but again I don't know a ton about this so I need to read up more
0: yeah I mean look I I think the silver lining of this is they now may actually have to put more time and resources into Doing things for the fans, knowing that gate receipt is going to be even more important now. Like, if you're the Pirates, some of these teams, I'm sorry to pick on the Pirates, but Pirates, A's, etc., you don't have TV money to just fall back on. If fans aren't in seats, you are in trouble. Yeah. Which is how it should be anyway, but... Yes, it's a product. Yeah. Uh, Two solid major leaguers retired uh, in the past 24 hours. The first is Dexter Fowler. Former All-Star center fielder and 2016 World Series champion announced his retirement today following a 14-year Major League career. Uh, Fowler was drafted by the Rockies in 2004, was in the majors four years later, um, cemented himself as a big leaguer the following season, 135 games, finished eighth in the rookie of the year, voting 266, 363, 406. Over the eight, next eight years, he averaged 130 games a season, hitting 269, 368, 443 uh, with the Rockies, Astros, Cubs, and Cardinals. Uh, he went from Colorado to Houston and Houston to Chicago before reaching free agency. And originally looked like that stop in Chicago would last just one year. Uh, there was an agreement with the Orioles that took place, which Fowler uh, kept quiet. But then he stunned his teammates and the world at large when he walked in the Cubs spring training with a new one-year contract. Uh, and again, he... Was the top of the lineup all year. Was a big part of that World Series championship team, 2016 team. Was the best year of his career. Uh, he had 276, 393, 447. Made his lone All Star appearance, uh, and then in the World Series or in the playoffs, hit three home runs, five doubles. Partly that into a five-year, 82.5 million dollar deal with the Cardinals, uh, and then his body just you know broke down. Um, 271 games over the next three years of that deal, one of which was 2020. Hit a collective 218, 320, 370. Got traded to the Angels. He tore his ACL was on a deal minor league deal with the Blue Jays, uh, and all told was just said, I'm done here. Career 259, 358, 417 hitter, 127 home runs, 253 doubles, 82 triples, uh, 517 RBIs, 817 runs scored. In the grand scheme of that Cubs World Series championship run, I feel like Fowler's the piece as the leadoff hitter and table setter all year that almost gets forgotten a bit.
1: I think Hayward's speech... Took over. I was bad to say the same. Should thing. have
0: been Fowler's moment. Yep, I 100 percent agree with you. Uh,
1: you know, he was he was just so
0: consistent and solid with them. Um, but all told, just you know, seemed like a very likable guy. And you know, a guy for a couple years though before his injuries gave out was a very solid All Star. He's a five tool player, All Star type player.
1: Great career, good dude. I mean, I'm sure baseball. That's the kind of guy baseball should have just like show up at random pop up events. And I think they will. Uh, other guy retired. Darren O'Day announced his retirement
0: yesterday uh, for going undrafted out of the University of Florida. He made his MLDB debut in 2008. Pitched for the Angels, Mets, Rangers, Orioles, Braves, and Yankees during his 15 year career. 259 ERA, uh, 637 strikeouts, 166 holds, and uh, made $50 million, Made the all star team with the Orioles in 2015. 82 strikeouts, 152 ERA, 65 in the third innings. They then signed him to a four year deal. Um, between 2019, 2009 and 2021, he had a 237 ERA with 21 saves. Uh, he had 30 postseason appearances, including four in the World Series with the Rangers. Uh, he signed a minor league contract with the Braves last winter and a 4-15 ERA in the regular season. Um, his last pitch in the Major League came July 11th against the Mets. Darren O'Day is one of those guys that most people, for obvious reasons, remember, because his delivery is absolutely bonkers. Um, but a 2.59 ERA in 15 big league seasons, that's a really good career for a relief pitcher.
1: Yeah, I always kind of remember him on good teams.
0: I was about to say the same thing, and just I, I mean, you look at the guys he pitched for: Angels, Mets, Rangers, Orioles, Braves, and the Yankees. Always in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, in fact, his two five nine ERA and one sixty seven ERA plus amongst relief pitchers with six hundred plus innings in Major League Baseball history, the only people here be, he's behind is Mo Wagner, Kimbrel, and Papelbon. So it's a pretty elite company there. Um, do you think Darren O'Day in the amongst the baseball circles might be best remembered for a slider that went so in with his funky delivery that the guy swung and missed even though the pitch hit him in the nuts? Pretty much. It's a pretty all-time moment. Uh, so congratulations to Darren O'Day on a great career. Uh, some miscellaneous news to wrap up the podcast. Josh Harrison in the Phillies, one-year, $2 million deal. 35-year-old last year, 256, 317, 330, seven home runs, in 119 games for the White Sox. Um, Primarily played second base, where he's been over his 12 years in the major league so far. Uh, Above average position for above average grades for defensive runs saved at the position. Also played a little bit of third base. Uh, This is now a sixth team. Uh, He actually signed with the Phillies, uh, but never played with them on the field. He signed a minor league deal during the 2019 to 2020 offseason, but was released prior to the shortened COVID season. Again, this move is not going to jump off the headlines, but for a team that has already been in the playoffs and is looking to get back. I love a guy like Josh Harrison, a veteran who can play all over the infield. These are the moves that the Yankees used to make during the dynasty. Um, I love it. It's a good move. Won't get talked about, but it's a good move. Yeah. I won't talk about it because it's just a good move. All righty. New dimensions at the Rogers Center. The Blue Jays released the new dimensions and heights of their outfield walls Friday. Significant changes to the Rogers Center setup that has been traditional until now. The lines of straightaway center will remain at the same distances. Uh, But the change will come in the alleys where hitters will be rewarded for lifting the ball into the air. The increased wall height will be a challenge for line drive hitters, though, so how these changes will benefit a hitter truly depends on their batter ball profile. Uh, Left goes from 328 feet. Uh, The wall gets increased by 4 feet. Right field line, the wall is up 2 feet. Uh, Left and right center in 7 feet, up a foot. Right center is in 16 feet. Uh, up four feet, and then in the alleys, the power alley in left center uh, is two feet closer, and in right center, it is now eleven feet closer. Um, I have no idea how this is going to benefit hitters because that was a lot of jargon. So I'm going to just ask you right now, Vlad Jr. Bavada over/under for next year:
1: 38 and a half home runs. Over. Okay. He's like a he's a 50 homer guy. He's got that power. All right, cool. I'm I'm with it. Uh,
0: the World Baseball Classic we talked about last week. Cuba, they're letting major league players play. That's awesome. Uh, right now, Moncada and Luis Robert—the only one who have committed so far. There's a couple minor league players too. Uh, Cespedes, who has not been in majors since 2018, Johannes Cespedes will also be playing. This is long overdue, though, and it makes an already great tournament even greater in my mind. Um, that I Cubans can play. I, I, I don't know how it's going to look. To answer your question, I just
1: wonder how Cespedes plays. Oh, I. Somebody asked me, dude. That this is just a front for them to try to capture the people who defected. No. Whoever asked that has no idea how the world works. And I wouldn't be friends with them anymore if I were you.
0: That's someone you're friends with also. Not anymore. (laughs) Um, And I want to pay tribute to one person. uh, Somebody who I would not have known by name up until I read his tribute, but I think everybody knows in baseball circles what he stood for. Uh, And that's John Adams, who died Monday at the age of 71. Uh, His drumbeat was the heartbeat of every Cleveland baseball season for the past half century. He would be in the outfield uh, bleachers, lugging his 26-inch bass drum um, to bang the drums in the outfield during every guard, Indians and then Guardians game. He only missed 45 games from August 1973 through the 2019 season, um, and they asked him to relocate it to the last row so his drumming wouldn't disturb anybody. Uh, he attended almost 40,000 games. He was inducted into the team's Distinguished Hall of Fame last year. Again, not somebody I know a whole lot about, but and part of this is because of the movie Major League for sure, but... If you ever watch an Indians or a Guardians game, you know there's that drumming in the outfield. You've seen John Adams without knowing his work. Um, R.I.P. to a baseball personality.
1: Yeah, baseball—it's—it's it's fun when fa- teams have special fans like that.
0: Hundred uh, percent. Tweets of the week. I have two, and they both involve the Rockies. Both are from Codified. What a too. week! Uh, the Rockies over their eight seasons, first eight seasons, of Coors Field as a team hit 326. Pretty good. That is a ludicrous statistic. Um, and they say defense doesn't matter. Well, that especially, I guess, was the case for the Rockies. In 1999, Dante Bichette, father of Bo, hit 298 with 34 home runs and 133 RBIs. His war was negative 2.3. That's why I think... I, Do you know how bad you need to be defensively for that to happen? But yes, that's why war is also a very flawed statistic. You, if
1: you, without war... And that's your slash. That's your stat line. I'm like, oh my god, you were in the NBA discussion. You're getting discussion. 25 million dollars a year. Yep, I agree with you.
0: It's a flawed stat.
1: Not a stat for me.
0: Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? 200 episodes in. Next week will be 201. The week after that will be 202.
1: I really like the country of Canada. Do you think they should get a second baseball team back? Vancouver should have a baseball team. Put one in Vancouver. What would be your team name? Uh, okay, you go. You left. I I don't want to. I don't want. Something salmon related. I would go with uh, the van. What's the word? The good word. That starts with a V. Vampires.
0: The Vancouver Vamps. Or You know what I would actually do? I mean, it's direct ripoff of some other team names. The Vancouver Voltage. I like that. I like that too. And their mascot will be the Watts. <laughs> Watts the lightning bolt. Watts the lightning bolt. Um, for me, I you know I don't have many concluding thoughts. There's no football this weekend, so uh, if you have any good things for me to do to fill my time, let me know. I would I would really appreciate. it. I have it. a random
1: basketball concluding thought. Sure. So we're watching the Knicks game in the background now. The yeah, I'm gonna want first. us to change this channel because it's making me sad. Um. Jalen Brunson, I, I know nobody gets called for carries. Jalen Brunson carries every time, and it's bothering me. That's why Julius Randle should be the all-star. I think he will.
0: Um, I had to tie this up in a baseball,
1: not, I don't know. Do I have any good baseball? Should I just tell a random baseball story to end it? There's also, a, if you drive from Seattle to Vancouver, there's a town in Canada called Softball City. Oh, that was the name of the town? Yeah. Oh, that didn't register with me. I thought it was like... At Town X, the softball city. No, it's called Softball City. Holy shit. don't we getting the whole team to play there? I will go back anytime. You don't even have to ask me. I may already be there. Huh. That's good to know.
0: Price of clincher softballs. Should I end with a rant? Yeah. That's crazy. It's almost $16 to get one clincher softball. Which then leads me to think, how much does a baseball cost? There's no way a fucking baseball costs that much money. They're smaller. So you think it's like three baseballs for the price of one softball?
1: Yeah.
0: Holy shit. No wonder they would get so pissed in Little League when we would hit balls in the woods. This all makes sense to me now. You're growing As like an absolute, I was going to say an absolute adult. Um, As an adult, um, here will be be my last concluding thought. I'll ask you about uh, a baseball pop culture thing. If you could start your baseball team with any one fictional baseball character, who would it be and why?
1: Um, hmm. I think there's a right answer here, but yeah, but I don't want to take the right answer. Who do you think is the right answer?
0: I haven't thought that far yet. Okay, well, think in the era of like Shohei Otani, someone who can hit and pitch, very valuable. You think Rob Schneider from Benchwarmers? I'm going with Hobbs. Oh, that's like. Modern medicine. We can get those bullet wounds out much easier. Give me Hobbs. And I get to hang with Robert Redford.
1: Robert Redford's good, Rob. I, you know, I'm going to say I have a long Robert Redford thing that I just won't do. Yeah, hold off on that. Um, So also Roy Hobbs, is that who we're going with? (laughs) Yeah, Roy Hobbs is a clear choice.
0: All right, we'll go Roy Hobbs with honorable mention to Stan the Man Ross. Because we know he knows how to
1: butt. Which era? Ha- Stan the Man? Just Stan the Man Ross. I don't know if he would get along. That would be a tough dugout. Yeah. I could see them not getting along so well.
0: All right, well, if you could think of the interpersonal dynamics between Stan the Man Ross and Roy Hobbs, uh, give us a shout. We'd appreciate it. Uh, thanks for everyone who's been along with us for 200 episodes. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Minorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.